0: Welcome to this week's Deep Dive. This week, we have the very amazing Denise Tashara from Fairware. Welcome, Denise. Hi. So you were our choice this week because this week we actually talked about sustainability. And there is no better voice on sustain- sustainability in this industry than you. And so, of course, we pulled you into promo chat and we pulled you into the Deep Dive. So uh,
1: thank you for being part of this. Yeah, no, it was fun. And I, you know, it's, it's funny because you hear people talk about promo chat or I, you know, have see it referenced at Common Skew events. And I never really knew what it was. I never participated. And you emailed me. And I'm like, sure, I'll do it. And I did a little like research so I didn't screw up and look like the total newbie that I was. But it was a lot of fun and I totally enjoyed it. So thanks for the ask to get involved.
0: Good. Now we'll just keep bringing you in every week and sort of whenever we cover something or, you know, just join us every week because it's fun. <laughs> Well, okay. So all of your answers were amazing. And I highly suggest people go back and look at our questions and what Denise was giving you because like I spent way too much time on the fairware. No, I spent the right amount of time or not Mm -hmm. enough time on the fairware website afterwards going through all their lookbooks and all their strategy and everything else. So we're going to narrow it down to one question, which was, Here's a tough one. Let's say a client requests a product that you know, you just know, will end up in a landfill in less than a year. How do you handle that request? And you said, using a strategy first, product second approach usually helps in these situations. As others noted, having alternatives to add to the mix can help them pivot. You added to that with, this one is so hard, we try and sway people away from buying crap. We actually said in a client pitch recently, if you're looking for stress balls and fidget fidget spinners, we're probably not your people. I think it caught them off guard, but they called us back. So there's a lot to sort of break down in that. But I have a question for you. So like, we were chatting before and I kind of mentioned that when you started in this industry is sort of, or like when I kind of started and started to take note of you guys is that you were kind of seen as like, niche like that's so neat what fairware is doing like they're focusing on the environment like how fun for them and and it was kind of like oh they're just you know they're in vancouver it kind of works with the ethos there but you've blown up like and i think you've become a thought leader but you've also we're ahead of the trend like if you go to expo this year there was so much on sustainable products renewable resources like at least everyone had a feature showing off like eco product, so you've kind of been the forefront of this conversation. And how have you seen the industry change in that way? Like, how have you kind of been? Have you sat there smugly and been like, "I've been right all along," or like,
1: Or have you wanted to? <laughs> what have you done in this case? It's kind of it's interesting to have watched it. It's super encouraging. I'd say the speed that things are changing in the last two to three years compared to the you know fifteen years in the industry is just so encouraging and you know for us we you know we started with this ethos we started because we saw a market gap we started with a strategy to build a brand uh we started with a strategy to build a north american wide brand from the get-go we had no intention of being a regional player or a smaller player um so it was kind of in the plan the whole way we just saw a gaping hole in the market where brands that care were struggling to connect with suppliers of merchandise that would reflect the caring, you know, or the values or or their sustainability or um, kind of community impact goals. So, you know, that hasn't really changed for us at all. And and what has changed is it's easier to source product that aligns with that. And and it's become easier to have more transparent conversations with suppliers so that we can bring more story Mm Um, of where our suppliers and where the manufacturers are in this journey towards more kind of ethical, sustainable supply chains. So, you know, in some ways, it's gotten easier, in in which is awesome. But and it means that some of the other players, like competitors. Are kind of catching up or they're there too and it's just it's this weird sort of tension where we want the industry to move but we want to keep our market differentiation and we want to make sure we're consistently up front so you know that's something that i've been thinking about a lot my business partner sarah and i have been chatting about and is sort of my focus for the year is to really start thinking okay what's next in the marketplace what's next in terms of offerings um to get back out and and kind of regain that space a few steps ahead of everyone so that's really a big focus of ours right now so it's been interesting to watch how the how the market um has run but you know we were talking a little bit earlier i think one of the funniest things is we felt like people were a little bit like patting us on the heads like oh you're such do-gooders like you go girls and and kind of thinking we had this little thing out on the west coast and you know i i think you know within probably six months of launching in sarah's barrage we were working with brands like aveda and ben and jerry's and you know we just were keeping kind of quiet about it and i think people just didn't understand our strategic play and they didn't necessarily understand the market so I th- they felt like we were niche but we knew all along that we were in for the long haul and a pretty um we were going after big brands and, and it's and it's worked
0: yeah. yeah no it's it's awesome and it is you know at the beginning you kind of you had this approach of b corp but now i think and i think this is kind of what the industry is missing a little bit is that the request for sustainability has been incredible. Like usually, end user driven. It's mm-hmm. not been distributor asked, or not all the time to sp- supplier pushed, and and so it's interesting to see how your client base has changed in that way as well. It's sort of like people are going out and saying, "I don't want plastic crap." Essentially, is like,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and it's um, it is a little bit unnerving right now to just look at that that issue where we're sitting down with clients and they're saying, you know, we're seeing clients where their spend is going down strategically because they want to give away less stuff. And, and, you know, we're trying to, you know, scramble to make sure we're there with great product when they do buy product or look at different offerings to to kind of fill that gap so they can still connect with customers or incent sales teams or, you know, celebrate staff Um, with merchandise but it it lines up with their values as opposed to doing nothing because we have some clients who are like we're doing nothing like it's all over Um, and and you know you can get scared you can be defensive um you know and get a little bit hysterical about it or you can recognize that it's it's the future and so we need to pivot as an industry we need to pivot as distributors and and understand it as the opportunity that it could be as opposed to the crisis that it could be and i think you know the. um Elizabeth Sagan Fast Company article on stop giving away $20 billion worth of terrible conference crap um, was a moment in time for our industry to take stock. And it was fascinating to see who dove into that conversation in a really mindful, contemplative way to talk about kind of the strategic implications and who panicked and got defensive and was like, well, you know, so yeah. You know, We see that as uh, those are the conversations we need to lean into. And those are the conversations we lean into with our clients and we're not afraid of them. So um, which kind of leads us back to what do you do? when somebody says, I want a piece of crap to give away. And you're <laughs> the other side of the table being like, <laughs> not that crap. I <laughs> yeah. um, need it. You know, it is a hard conversation. And I think some, you know, a couple of other pe- people that responded to that answer talked about having other products and I think mean, that's really critical. Like, well here's what it could look like if you did it differently. Or, you know, if you didn't want that piece of low cost plastic as destined for the landfill, like here are some things that might add add value. And and you know my initial comment was that the strategy first and product second. I think probably our biggest differentiator in, in how we push shown up in the marketplace is that we, we rarely start with product. Like we, we rarely go to an initial meeting. With anything except ourselves and our ideas, and and we do it intentionally. Um, you know, I have an anecdote of going into pitch on a contract in Vancouver, a fairly big contract, and our competitor was in the room pitching before us. They had like stacked the meetings, and we could kind of hear through the door what they were talking about, and then we could see as they came out and they were like schlepping, you know apparel and like all sorts of things and and we panicked like we we're like oh my god like we don't have anything we're doing this all wrong and i remember we had an ipad and like i pulled up a bunch of supplier sites and we kind of on in the moment pretended that like this was our approach like we were just going to show product not bring products you know yeah but the the day, we walked in there and we're like you know what product's easy like how what you're trying to achieve and how we bring in a merchandise Collection to help you achieve that is what's hard, and how are you going to distribute it to all these crazy locations you have all over our province and up north is what's hard, and and how do you leverage your spend to generate savings and efficiency? Like those are the hard conversations. Let's have those, and then let's go into like the product assortment. And I think we've always taken that approach, and you know, it tends to it tends to work for us. And when you take that approach, you usually don't um, get backed into that conversation of like stress balls and, and fidget yeah. scissors to kind of show
0: you like what else can you do it's it's that conversation away <laughs> from like oh I do t-shirts to I'm yeah. a solutions provider
1: and we're also really blunt like I think if you can just be honest with folks sometimes they're not thinking about it and um, and you know just saying this is a really hard product at end of life so like if you're giving it away and you know the other example um, would be like Beach balls, you know, classic giveaway, summer giveaway, and they're, you know, they're vinyl, they're traditionally made offshore. Um, they're they're often of quality that that they're going to end up burst on the ground of the event that you're at in the moment, right? So, yeah. we'll just talk people through that. We'll say, yeah, it's a, that's a classic giveaway. Here's some of the risks with that giveaway. It's end of life is it's only landfill. There's no way to recycle that product. And because it's a durable, you know, kind of um, material, when it inevitably gets left behind because it's burst um, or because somebody wanted to use it while they were at the, you know, outdoor movie night, but they didn't really want to take it home, your brand is going to be sitting on the ground getting trampled and it's going to be this legacy reminder of what you value. And so maybe we could do something different for that event. Maybe we do popcorn stands where it's like a consumable and you know so so I think um just having really frank conversations with folks and saying have you thought through the experience for your brand from you know the beginning to the very very end. And and when you can bring that to folks it'll it'll get them being like hmm, hmm. You know, <laughs> had it happen and we've had it happen where they're like yeah 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 yeah, yeah but we still want the, the vinyl beach walls, and we're like okay well we can get them at a qca approved vendor and they're you know they're printed at a union shop in the bronx and you know it's like the best bad product that we can do and we'll say that we literally say that to a client like here's you know it's the best thing we can do it's a you know phthalate free pvc and you know you know blah 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 and it's still a terrible product but here you go and that's one you now and in in you know in that scenario we debriefed it at the end of the year and the client's like yeah that was that was a bad idea like exactly what you said (laughs) was gonna happen (laughs) and um and we even gave them like little briefing notes and like here's how you can talk about this you know bad product here's the good bits about this bad product and um so that they'd have it if people asked about it during the event um and uh but you know i think this is just collective learning and i think it's collective learning with suppliers, with end users, with distributors, and, and any part of the, you know, advice I often give to our sales rep and such is just have the courage to have those yeah. conversations. Like, you yeah. should have said, one of my reps, when we said in, in the meeting, and you mentioned it in the early treat, where we said, you know, if you want stress balls and fidget spinners, we're probably not your people. And, and, it, and like, one of our reps was like, well, I don't know if I would have had the courage to say that. <laughs> um, and... And it's kind of like, you know, it's a little bit like we are who we are, and, and people are going to love us or leave us, and and I don't, you know, we don't want to be a brand that's going to work with folks that push us into selling the kind of product we don't believe in. So on some level, we have to hold our ground, and and I think that's why, I think that's why some of North America's leading sustainable brands call us, because because we'll call yeah. them out. And stuff. And we'll talk them out of buying product. And sometimes we don't get a job. They're like, you know what? You're right. We're not going to do anything. And, and, and in those moments, it sucks, but you know, that you're going to be the first callback. Like when they do something, when they want to do something and they want to do it right, they're going to call you because you've just built enormous trust capital with that client. So it's a bit about being in for the long game. Right. And um, if you cannot panic about losing the $3,000 trinket order, um, and play the long game with with your accounts I think it's a it's a good way to go
0: yeah no it's it's kind of amazing in that way I'm like I'm so glad people are following in your footsteps and I hope they do it even more so just because like uh, yeah I had a conversation with someone recently about being authentic and and you and Sarah have stayed so authentic to like what it means to be a sustainable eco-friendly operation and like I've been to your place and down to like your recycling bins like you have so many recycling bins and just so like the you've put thought into everything that you do and and in the way that the world is changing in terms of caring we should always be caring about sustainability but caring about that way and then caring about the stuff that we make and the intention behind everything is that it's coming through and hopefully changes more than one person for it so we don't become an industry of stuff because it takes away the value of us as marketers and brand like brand developers is that, you know, left breast logo is, it's boring and it's not thoughtful. Exactly. exactly.
1: You know, and I, do, I think that um, you, know, you mentioned our office I and mean, that's something that Sarah and I really try to communicate is that it's not like, it is not just about the product. And I think that's the biggest strategic error that this industry makes and in that, Suppliers make, and that distributors make, and, and in some ways, it's like helped us be more successful because, you know, it literally is not about the product, and and like you have to take a step back and really dig into the entire ethos of your brand and company and your supply chain partners, and your client partners, and it's in all that you do, and it's um, you know, whether it's the you know for us, whether it's the eco stuff, we do a lot of work on the social side of sustainability and and not just the worker rights, but inclusion and like, what does that look like in our our supply chain, um, in our client base, in our office? uh. Yeah,
0: no, it's, I mean, Kathy Chang has talked about, from Redwood has talked about this a lot as well, is that for her sustainability isn't just having an eco fabric, it's sustainable labor chain of, Fair wages, um, reducing waste, uh, you know, recycling water, of kind of looking at everything from the big holistic way is that, and that, and that's another topic that came up in the chat was about greenwashing of just being like it's eco and it's like without thinking of again the intention behind each thing. So, mm-hmm. so what sort of research do you do to make sure that it's an eco product? Like your website is an amazing resource for people looking for different information, but so beyond that, like what would be one site or one information source that you would suggest?
1: You know, I think I mentioned this in the, in the, in the chat. Um, although, you know, I think I did a few tweets where I forgot to put the little hashtag. <laughs> find it, they find it. Um, but, um, for us probably like the guiding light is the FTC guidelines on environmental marketing claims. And like, I think that's the most important document for our industry. Um, you know, I've sent snippets of it um, to suppliers when I feel like they're making false claims and just like, Hey, just FYI, like your product doesn't comply with FTC guidelines on this. Um, so classic would be somebody making, um, you know, socks from bamboo and you can't make a claim that your socks are bamboo socks. You'd have to say way on from bamboo and you have to put the, the actual, you know, chemically formulated textile that is rayon um, and that your input is bamboo and being a little bit more transparent and um, clear about what it is because, you know, that would be an example out of the FTC guidelines. Um, another one that um, we pay a lot of attention to is recyclability claims. So, um, on the recycled content side, you know, that's one thing, but the like this is recycled, like recycle this, um, it's recyclable or it's compostable or it's biodegradable. Um, all of those come with certain sets of um, criteria in the case of compostability, biodegradability, there's actual standards. And in the case of recyclability, there's a framework that the FTC has put out that um, we pay heed to. And um, an example might be that know polystyrene like number six like styrofoam um is technically recyclable there's i think two recyclers in canada for example that recycle it but in no way is it reasonably recyclable in no way is it easy to recycle um and it would be very difficult for an end user to get that product into a recycling stream um in any community in canada or the us for that matter and so uh, the FTC has guidelines around, around the percentage of people in the community that you distribute your product in that has to have easy access, like a blue box or community recycling drop-off to be able to re- recycle something. So just because technically it's recycled somewhere in the world, yeah. you can't do a recyclable claim if somebody can't easily go and take something back. So, yeah. um I think those, you know, that's really the key guideline for us that we look at. And then we have a lot of other, you know, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand is that we, you know, maybe they do, but you know, I I used to be the sustainability director for, you know, one of the largest outdoor retailers in Canada. I have a master's of applied science in this stuff. It's been my entire life. Um, It's what my career was before I launched our company. And we hire into our company people who are very, very, um, passionate about this i mean, i'm in um in brooklyn right now in new york and we have staff here and you know the, the um, account manager that we hired in, in new york um, comes from sustainable fashion and has worked and kind of dedicated his career to date um to sustainability and in particular um, in the fashion industry and in like that's who we bring in so our entire company is experts you know? yeah <laughs> it's all we do right so so it's um people are like, oh, how do you, you know, how do you do all this and how do you do research? And it's like, it's just, it's our lives. Like we do it at home and we do it at work and we do it. It's just, it's what we do. So yeah. um,
0: it's fun for you. And the bonus is it works well for work too.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> it's just, it's always been, um, it's how we started the company. We've been doing it for 15 years. So it's, uh, it's not new for us.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, sort of to wrap up the podcast is, one of the things that I really like the conversation moving on sustainability is how to make changes in your life on different things and that you guys have lived it for so long that it's, you know, a second nature to do the base part. Like I remember a distributor sent out a press release about putting recycling bins in every, like in their kitchen. And I was, like, okay. I mean, that's a start. It's going to start to change some behaviors. And the same with the straw, like the plastic straw bin was that, Everyone is going well. It's not really helping a lot. It adds a little bit, but um, but the attitude is it's changing a behavior and it's making people more thoughtful. So, do you have one lifestyle sustainability tip to try and get people to be more conscious of and to change their behavior?
1: Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, hack that question. I do I do have lots of behavior change things that I could talk about. Um, and to your point, I think they're important but I don't think we're going to recycle our way out of the pickle we're in globally. Um, And I don't think we're going to behavior change our way out of this pickle um, that we're in globally. So if I could wave a magic wand and have everyone do one thing, um, I would be asking business leaders in our industry and owners and uh, employees in every aspect of our industry to get engaged in calls for political action on policy. So, I would suggest that you support your local climate strikes. I would suggest that you work at the municipal and state level in the US right now, not federal, um, hopefully federal after November. In Canada, work in all uh, levels and ask your decision makers and political leaders to consider progressive climate policy because I think it's gonna take those levers being pulled um, to shift the course. globally. I would ask people to do. It's not change behavior, but take action politically and let your local elected officials know that the future is important and um, laying out progressive policy, you um, both of our nations would be the way to go. So that would be my ask. Just a little ask. If you want to know how to do it, ask me. <laughs> just a tiny <laughs> little bit. <laughs> Very specific ask you could make I was to-
0: thinking like riding a bike, but you've just thrown <laughs> down the gauntlet for everyone there, Denise. Well done. <laughs> yeah okay uh, everyone go start and try and change the world you have a voice now use it and um denise where can we find you on the internet
1: well, I, you know i think uh the fairware um uh, if you if you follow me personally you're just going to see a lot of like bike photos and my children um uh, so I, yeah, <laughs> I think at fairware uh, on insta and twitter um twitter in particular we have a lot of like thought leadership content that goes out there insta if you want to see what we're doing for clients or product ideas and, and the campaigns that we're supporting um facebook for for a bit of both um you know and then our website and yeah, we have a lot of resources and lookbooks and you know we'd love uh a collective voice in the industry asking similar questions of the supply chain because i think if we're all asking for it um then suppliers are more likely to respond
0: Yeah, don't just wait for your client to ask for the green option. Make sure they're doing it so you can present a green option, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do second the Going to Fairware site. They do have an amazing breakdown for different processes and not just ecological sourcing, but sustainable and what that means entirely. So. Thank you, Denise, for joining us. Remember, everyone, to join on Promo Chat every week on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And thank you to our sponsors, Maple Ridge Farms. Thank you, Denise. Thanks. Cheers.